significant, secure, accepted, forgiven, empowered. That's who we are in Jesus. Things in life can come and go, but Jesus never changes, and our relationship with him is rock solid through all the circumstances of life. Today, I continue my conversation with Stefan Wisniewski as we learn that even when life doesn't go the way we expected it to go, God can still be trusted. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. So I grew up in a church uh, where I, I came to Christ, trusted in Christ, but um, didn't understand eternal security. I thought, you know, you could you could be a Christian one day and then not the next because of your sin. Maybe even in the morning and then not in the afternoon. And I and I literally had this picture of you know the book of life, whatever that looks like, of my name just there's a hole in the page because my name had been written and erased so many times. Um, and it was a it was a my first year in seminary. I can't I I can't remember what the class was, but. But it was for the first time I realized, man, I'm a child of God, and nothing can take that away. And I was standing on a hot parking lot in Dallas, Texas, and it was like a burden just lifted from my shoulders. It is, like you said, it's freeing when we know that we're a child of God and will forever be. Someone's out there saying, yeah, I know, but you know, what about that person who trusted in Christ and then they're not walking with Christ? Or what about the times, you know, I, 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 I prayed and I trusted in Christ and then I was going along for a while, but I've kind of fallen away. Talk about how eternal security, um, how, how they should understand the truth of eternal security. You know, our, our getting into Christ was a result of Christ's work, right? Uh, we did have to to trust in him, but other than that, it, it was Christ's work that made us right with God. And so I think we have to to realize that it's Christ who saved us and it's Christ who sustains us. And even if we we try to to wander away, you know, in our own free will and rebellion, um, Christ is he's still going to be with us. He's still there. Uh, we can't outrun his grasp. We're not faster than him. Uh, Sometimes we try pretty hard to run in the wrong direction, you know, Jonah style, right? But um, one, we we run away from God to our own detriment. We we kind of think we know what's best, but we're we're wrong. Um, but even when we do try to 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 wander away from our faith, God is still with us. Um, like I said, we can't be separated from His love. But um, to use your analogy, once our name's written in the book of life. It, He's not going to erase it. Yeah. Uh, it is there forever. And, um, you know, we may have some consequences of our sin, of our wandering from God, but one of those consequences is not going to be being unadopted from mm -hmm. the family of God. Mm -hmm. John 10, 27, 30, I love that passage. Jesus says, I hold you in my hand. Nothing can snatch you out of my hand. My Father, who is greater than all, holds you in his hand. Nothing can snatch you out of my Father. It's almost like, it's bad theology here, but a double security, right? <laughs> double security because God is one, but uh, the Father and the Son. I mean, we are we are we are surrounded by His love, by His grace. People say, "Well, yeah, but I can choose to leave." No, God has us in His hand. He has us as His child, and we are with Him forever. And because of eternal security, we know that we're going to transition. Can I add one more thought on security? You bet. Sorry. You bet. Um, 
So just a quick thought on insecurity of a worldly identity. So a worldly identity, let's say my worldly identity is I'm a successful football player, right? That sounds like a cool identity for, for a minute, right? But I have a bad game. I get fired. Now what's my identity? Now I'm a bad football player. I'm fired. I'm not even a football player. I'm unemployed, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no security in a worldly identity. And to me, so many people in life base their identity off of what other people say about them, other people's opinion, other people's approval. Um, that's a completely insecure way to live. You're never going to be secure in, okay, people like me, people think I'm significant because one, there's always going to be more people out there and you're never going to please them all, right? And second, even though you earn their approval temporarily, you earn their judgment of significant, another day's coming, you can lose it. It's the threat of insecurity, the threat of losing your identity is always there. And so that's why I always tell anyone who wants to listen, don't, don't seek the approval of others. You're never going to find security. You're never going to find satisfaction in a, a solid identity. Don't even trust in your own judgment. Some people say, all right, I'm not going to care what anybody else thinks, but I'm just going to, if I approve of myself, I'm good. The problem with that is we lie to ourselves all the time, mm -hmm. right? We say, no, I'm, I'm living pretty right. I'm, I'm, it's like, mm -hmm. don't trust yourself. We lie to ourselves. Uh, what we should do is, is rest in and trust in God's opinion of us and God's approval of us. And as we've been talking about, God says I'm loved. God says I'm adopted in Christ. I'm all these things. So don't seek the approval judgment of others. Don't trust in your own judgment or approval. Instead, rest in and, and, and live out of and trust mm -hmm. in what God says about us. And that's that we are eternally significant. Yeah. Your father-in-law, a good friend uh, of mine, um, uh, Barry Ford, he uh, uh, had a heart attack and died quickly. And it was a shock. But talk about the confidence that your family had, the comfort that you had, knowing that because of his trust in Christ, not because of who he was, but because of Christ, he transitioned from death to life. Absent from the body, Paul says, present with the Lord. What does that security do when the, the last enemy of death, whether it comes through a long illness or very quickly, what does eternal security mean uh, in that moment? of the reality of death he didn't leave us like he he went from being in god's hand as you said on earth to being in god's hand in heaven and so to us it looked like a dramatic change but for him he just went from being in christ here to in christ there mm -hmm. um and for us our our comfort and our confidence is confidence is that you know we get to see him again um because if if we also have put our trust in Christ, we, we will be where he is now someday. And so it, it wasn't goodbye. It was just, you know what, we're going to miss you for a while, but man, we can't wait to see you again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, the hope and the confidence of that is, is unbelievable. And man, I, I don't, I don't even know how I would grieve if, if I didn't have that hope. Um, just the, the, the sadness and the, the depression of like, well, that's it. They're gone. I'll never see them again. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't even know how I could, could process that and wrap my head around it, but we don't have to grieve like that. Right. We grieve as those with hope. And, um, while we do miss them a lot, 
uh, we know we only have to miss them for 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 a few years, and mm-hmm. and then we'll get to be with them again. Yeah. All right. In Christ, I'm significant. I'm secure. I'm accepted. I'm uh, I'm adopted as sons. I I talked to a guy the other day. He's triplets. One of one of three. And grew up in a foster home for nine years uh, until they were nine years old. And then a family adopted them uh, as, as, uh, as their sons. And uh, he was talking about the, you know, the beauty of that. Talk about what it means to be adopted as a son of God, to be a, to be a child of God, to have open access. Yeah, I mean, I think we all long in life to be accepted, to find somewhere we belong um to be loved right and in christ we we have all of those things um we belong to god's family and you know some some families are cooler than others i'm just i'm just gonna throw that out there Mm -hmm. i love my family we're probably not the coolest family in the world but like (laughs) i I like it i feel blessed to be a part of that family but if you're gonna rank all right what are the coolest families to be a part of family of god (sighs) number one by a mile oh my Mm -hmm. gosh um, the kingdom of God belongs to God and, and his family, right? And his kingdom is eternal. And it, at the end, when he comes back, he'll restore it. It'll be without sin, without suffering, without pain. Um, just, just overwhelming beauty, right? And that's what we get to be a part of and rule over, um, as a part of his adopted children. And the fact that while we're here, now this this side of eternity right we get we get access to him we get to talk to him we get to have a relationship with him um i mean it's like the coolest guy in the history of the world is is my best friend is my father mm. like you know how little kids always brag about their dads like my dad could beat up your dad my dad's mm. cooler than your dad like all christians can say my dad's way cooler than anybody else's dad <laughs> unless we have the same dad of course but uh if my dad's god and your dad's somebody else like guess what my dad's more amazing so you play with the raiders you're there for how many years four years four years um you know the guys they know you uh then you go to jacksonville you walk into the locker room now you know of names right cuz you play against each other but it's you you want to be accepted you want to be a part of the team that's a that's a hard road to walk sometime and sometimes people do a lot of things to be accepted by friends or whatever talk to talk to young adults and teenagers out there about you know some of them are compromising to be accepted in their in their locker room right in their school uh you know their their, their network of friends and you can do some things that it's going to sail you down the wrong river when you do that. It, it's obviously tempting, right, to try to do whatever it takes to gain the approval and acceptance of of other people. But I think to me, what helped me not, you know, compromise who I was in Christ, my my Christian values and and actions and attitudes was just the thought that, man, I need to care more about what God thinks of me and whether he approves of what I'm doing than what anybody else thinks of what I'm doing. And when you think like that, you have to prepare that, you know what, there are going to be some people who maybe don't like me. Maybe they don't like what I stand for. They won't like some of the actions. They might think I'm weird, whatever their, their thought is. Um, but I have to be okay 
with not everybody liking me. If it's my goal to make everyone like me, um, I am probably gonna have to compromise my values. I'm also gonna be exhausted trying to make all kinds of different people with different, you know, values and 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 whatever like me. But I think a couple verses come to mind, but Galatians 1.10, you know, Paul says, Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? If I were seeking the approval of of man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And what he's saying is I mean, it's pretty clear what he's saying. Like, if I'm seeking the approval of other people, that that's not what a servant of Christ should mm. do. Um, and when you think about it, like, whose, opi- whose opinion should matter more? Like, well, how about the God of the universe or some human being who I work with right now who I'll probably never see again in a year mm-hmm. or two or five, right? And it's like, we care so much about what that person near us thinks. And it's like, the God of the universe is, is watching too. And if I have a choice between doing what God's going to prove of and doing what might get me accepted by these people, I got to choose what, what God's going to approve of, uh, because his opinion just, it needs to matter more than me, Mm. me to matter more to me. So in Christ, I am significant. I'm secure. I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. I want to read some verses, uh, from scripture, what God says about forgiveness. And then you can comment on, on, on any or all of these. Isaiah 1.18, uh, though your sins are like scarlet, they're going to be like white as snow. He makes him white as snow there. Uh, red like crimson, he makes him as white as wool. Isaiah 37.17, he, uh, 33.17, he puts our sins behind his back so that he doesn't look at them. Just beautiful pictures of what God does with our sin. Uh, Isaiah 43.25, he blots out our sins and he remembers our our sins no more. Um, the God of the universe, who knows everything thing there is to know about everything there is to know, he's omniscient. He 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 chooses not to not to remember our sins. And Jeremiah 31, 34 says the same thing. Micah 7, 18 and 19, he casts our sins in the depths of the sea. Psalm 103. He separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. And then the beautiful promise in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Talk about what the forgiveness of God means in the life of a growing believer. You know, we don't have to have guilt and shame anymore, right? Those, our sins are forgotten, washed away. And so our guilt as as well as is washed away uh, our shame man guilt and shame are they're really powerful forces um in the lives of of a non-believer but man for for way too many believers that they're kind of changed like holding people back holding people mm-hmm. down and man in christ we're we're not supposed to live kind of weighed down by guilt or weighed down by shame why because our guilt and shame they're they're washed away um, those promises are, are God's word. They're true. They're real. And man, as believers, we just, we have to believe what God says already says is true about us. Mm. You know, um, man, if, if, if I was wearing white and I had a blood stain on it, that was my sin. That was my guilt. That was my shame. Like that verse says, God washed it away. It's beautiful. It's white as wool, white as snow. Um, sometimes I think we don't really believe that, Mm. um, we think they're all right. Well, he wiped off some of it, but I can still kind of see, you know, where it was. Mm-hmm. Like it says, white as snow. That means there's no red left. He didn't say pink. You know, right. he says white. 
Um, and we just, I think we got to meditate on what those things say. We got to pray and just say, God, help me to believe, you know, what your word says is true, that my sins are gone. They're at the bottom of the sea. They're as far as the east is from the west, which by the way, means infinitely far. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, in case you were trying to calculate how far east is from west at home, put down your calculator and your map. It's infinitely far. Um, but man, we we gotta ask God to help us believe that. We gotta preach those verses to ourselves. We gotta. I I, I pray, you know, First John one nine all the time. Um, personally, you know, you read it. We confess our sins. God is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and forgive us unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. So just as a regular thing. Um, I'll say, God, I confess I sinned against you by X, Y, or Z, whatever sin it was. And God, I, I know you say in your word that if I confess, you will forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And then after I pray that, believe that it, it was heard and it was done and it was mm -hmm. just rewashed, right? And I'm clean again. And, and then I'll often just say, God, fill me with your spirit that I might, you know, not walk in sin here going forward. But, um, it, it's like my my spiritual laundry just it's washed i'm clean i'm good and believing that if god says i cleansed you of your sin that he actually did um man it's it's unbelievable that we have those those promises those truths so when god forgives us he also then gives us the strength and expects us to forgive others um c.s lewis always said uh uh, forgiveness is a you know a beautiful truth until you actually have to do it <laughs> actually have to forgive someone else Ephesians 4 uh, we forgive others just as just as uh, God in Christ has forgiven us uh, talk about the weight of holding grudges and you know we're forgiven and so we we love that but now we're not willing to forgive others beautiful parables in scripture about this but but talk about the 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 weight of not uh, obeying this truth to forgive others. Yeah, I mean, two thoughts come to mind. Um, one is that you know when we hold on to bitterness, unforgiveness, bitterness, right? It we're only hurting ourselves. Um, you know, we're the ones that are holding on to that bitterness is just kind of anger, kind of slow burning over a long mm -hmm. period of time, right? And uh, a, a pastor of mine said, bitterness is like CPR for your pain. It's like, I'm just keeping that pain alive, <laughs> keeping that pain alive. And it's like, why on earth would we do that? Mm -hmm. um, why would we keep our pain alive? And it's just logical. Like, why don't we, why don't we let it go it, for, for whatever reason, fleshly reason we, we don't want to. But when I think about, you know, why don't people forgive others? Um, to me, I think we tend to view our sins as not that big a deal. And we tend to think other people's sins against us are huge and, mm -hmm. and monumental, right? Um, but that's not correct at all, right? Mm -hmm. um, what's true is my list of sins is really long and it's huge and it's this huge debt that I, I should have owed God. Uh, we said Christ paid that debt right on the cross, but um, man, we tend to like forget about our big debt that was forgiven. And you know, the, the Bible says he who is forgiven much loves much. And so for me to remember just how much I've been forgiven of, 
I think helps me to see what others have wronged me as being not so big in comparison to what, you know, I've been forgiven of by God. And so I think a lot of the Christian life is just a matter of trying to, by the power of the spirit, by learning, meditating on God's word, see my situation, my circumstances, the way that God sees them. And if I'm looking at what I've done as small and what someone else has done as me as big, I'm not seeing things the way God sees them. But if I, I, I remind myself by reading God's word, by talking to other Christians that, man, I have a mountain of things that God's forgiven me of. How could I not forgive someone else of something mm -hmm. relatively very, very small? Mm -hmm. And that's just, it, it would be ungrateful to do that. It would be wrong to do that. It, it would show a, a just terrible lack of perspective to do that. Ephesians 4 is an amazing verse that, as you say, puts it in perspective, you know, forgive others. Okay, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. Somebody hurt me, uh, they, you know. Um, they, uh, they, they did a disservice to me. They offended me, whatever. Forgive others. Don't want to do that. But wait, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And when we put it in that perspective, okay, now I have to take a deep breath and say, look, God, I got I to gotta, I gotta work through this. Can't do it on my own. Got to work through it. And that's the last one. One more thought. Sorry. Okay. Um, I think a lot of like what kind of anger toward how we're treated and unforgiveness toward how we're treated comes from is we have this idea that we expect that we deserve to be treated at this standard, right? And if anyone, I'm holding my hand up high if you're listening, a high standard, right? We expect to be treated toward a high standard. Anytime we're treated less than that standard, we're angry about it. We're mad. We hold on to this bitterness about it. And if you go through life thinking you be, deserve to be treated perfectly and amazingly you're gonna be disappointed all the time you're gonna be angry all the time you're gonna be bitter you're gonna be mad at people but if instead we say you know what i'm a sinner i deserve nothing but death anything i get is a gift from god um if i'm mistreated on this earth i might not like it but you know what this earth is is unfair there's a lot of unfairness on this earth so if i expect perfect fairness on this earth i'm gonna be disappointed all the time but if instead I say, you know what, God is fair, one day he will reward those who did righteously, he will punish those who did wrong, God's going to make it fair eventually, but I have to accept that that's coming someday in the future, not now. Then all of a sudden I can accept mistreatment, I can forgive, I can let go of bitterness because I, I know what kind of world I'm living in. It's not mm -hmm. a perfect world, it's a fallen world and it's an unfair world doesn't mean God's not fair. He is fair. He will make all things fair one day, right? But we trust and look to that in the future. We don't mm -hmm. expect that every day now. Let's go back to a story you told earlier. So you're playing uh, with uh, Philadelphia. You, uh, they, you win a Super Bowl, right? Things are going really, really well. And then it's, is it the next season you're, you're playing and all of a sudden you're benched and it's not because of your performance you know, light or not, there's always political stuff going on. And not only are you benched, but you, you lose your job. And you got to walk away from that saying, hey, time out, time out. There's some people there, you know, you know that was an unfair situation. And <laughs> there, are some, there are some names of people who go along with that unfair situation. How did you, uh, how'd you kind of work through that? I just said, you know what? God is sovereign over all this. And yeah, there are individuals you know, making free will decisions to har harm me in some way, right? But 
above all that is a God who is sovereign, which means he's in control and, you know, he allows bad things to happen to us sometimes. Um, again, those people are responsible for what they did, but God sovereignly allows bad things to happen to us for good purposes. And for me, I think my, my deep seated belief was that, yeah, what they did was wrong and it did wrong me. It did cause me and my family harm, but I believe that God had a good plan for it. And at the time I didn't know what that was going to be. Um, but I knew that his word said that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. So um, that's why I didn't harbor anger toward them or, you know, want revenge or hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness was that, did I like what they did? No, but you know what? I believed God had a good plan for it. I believe that those who do wrong will receive, you know, punishment for that in some way at some time. Um, so my faith in God's fairness and my faith in God's mm -hmm. sovereignty kind of helped me to, to not harbor bitterness. All right. So in Christ, significant, we're secure, we're accepted, we're forgiven, and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? As soon as we trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives in us. I, I, I'm a lot older than you. I still am having trouble. I've preached it many times. I've taught it many times. But the Spirit of God lives in me. That's a, that's a truth that's just hard to fathom. But what a beautiful truth that God lives in us. He, uh, he seals us. He dwells us. He teaches us all the ministry of the Spirit. But let's talk about Ephesians 5.8. Uh, there are certain ministries of the Spirit that happen to us one time for all time, right? He seals us. That That's done. The filling of the Spirit is something that uh, is ongoing. So Paul uses, you know, kind of a, 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 a crass comparison, right? Don't be drunk with wine. He does it because everybody knows what that would be like, either personally or they've seen it. You're controlled by, an, by a substance. So don't be controlled by an an outward substance instead be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Stefan, how does how does that like work out in real life? I think it's it's why you can tell a Christian like you have the Holy Spirit in you, and they're like, really? Like I can't feel it, I can't see it, I I, I don't notice it, right? And it's like, well, if it was the Spirit of God, wouldn't you notice it? And the answer is, yeah, you sure would. Um, but you know, there's a difference between Ephesians one that's saying we have a deposit you know, guaranteeing our inheritance a seal and Ephesians 5.18 saying be controlled by it or, or be filled by it. And the difference is, um, man, that, that verb there in, in 5.18, it's, it's the continuous present tense, right? And we don't really have that tense in English, so it, it doesn't quite translate right, but it would probably better be translated like be being continually filled or be being continually controlled, right? Um, continually is probably the word we would use in English, like be continually filled, which means be filled, then be filled again, be controlled, be controlled again. And I think so many Christians don't understand this is that it's a regular refilling uh, of the spirit that that is what we need. And it's a regular kind of us submitting to God's will and, and saying, you got God, fill us and guide us mm -hmm. and, and take us where you want to go. Um, 
And I love the quote by D.L. Moody, a famous Christian. He was always praying to be filled by the Spirit. And someone asked him, why did he always pray this? And he said, because I leak. (laughs) And I don't think Christians realize that we leak Holy Spirit all the time. And we need to get continually refilled. Um, And if we're we're not continually refilled, we're going to leak. And we're just going to not feel and experience the the unbelievable power uh that comes from being filled with the spirit and it's not just power right the fruits of the spirit are love joy peace patience kindness gentleness self-control i think i missed one i was going fast but goodness uh, goodness yeah yeah. (laughs) we we need that too let's let's not forget goodness all those benefits including power and those things i just mentioned they come from being filled with controlled by the spirit so if we're going to live out this christian identity if we're going to live out this christian walk that's our power source Mm -hmm. and that's our guide and to try to live the christian life without the spirit is like trying to push a school bus instead of filling it with gas and and Mm use the gas to take Mm -hmm. it it's like you know what i'm not going to push that school bus very far um man let's gas it up with the spirit our power source and then man we can just we can get this school bus humming in christ we're significant we are secure we're accepted we're forgiven we're empowered we have this new identity stuff i want to ask you to do is kind of kind of kind of wrap all that together and then and then pray for us uh pray for the person out there who feels unworthy they're not significant I pray for the person who's struggling with, you know, what what is their position in Christ? Are they really secure? Um, others, you know, I, I, I talked to so many people, and you talked about families. I talked to many people who, you know, they have uh, the, the old term father wounds, you know. Um, and it's hard for them to – I had one person tell me one time, man, I, I get Jesus. I, I love Jesus. But God being a father, the way my father treated me, I have trouble with that, you know. So, so struggling with this family identity. Um, and then forgive, forgiveness. Some people just don't feel, you know, they, they, they are convinced they've committed a sin that God can't forgive. I uh, mean, how many people are like that? And then empowered, controlled by the Spirit. So, so wrap us up and then, uh, and then, then pray for us. Man, all, all you people in, in any of those situations, just know that um, – God's truth and God's promises are, are, are real. They're true. And man, you can believe them. You can put your trust in them. Uh, you can trust God with your eternity, with your salvation. You can also trust him with forgiveness. You can trust him with significance. You can trust him with power to, to live out your daily life. Um, you can trust him to, to help you kind of process what it means for God to be a father and not just any father, but a, a good father, mm-hmm. a perfect father, a loving father. Um, man, you can bring all those problems to God in prayer and, and ask his help and, and he'll listen and he'll work. But man, so much of it is just uh, believing God's promises. And I think sometimes, not sometimes, oftentimes we have a hard time wrapping our head around God's promises, but there's good news. We don't have to just do that of our own strength. We can say, God, help me with my unbelief, right? Uh, that was a prayer in scripture, right? Uh, the guy said, I believe, help my unbelief. So that's yeah. that's kind of a cool way to look at it. Like, I do believe, but also I need some help believing a little more, right? And I think we often kind of find ourselves in that place of like, I, I kind of believe, but 
God, I just need your help to believe more and man, bring that prayer to God. Um, God, give me more faith. Give me more trust in you. Help me to really believe deep in my heart these truths that your word is saying. Because even though I know your word says my sin was scarlet, but was washed white as snow, man, God, I'm having a hard time believing that. So ask God to to help you believe what he said is true in his word. That's great. That's great. Pray for us, will you? Absolutely. Uh, Father in heaven, we love you. Um, we praise you for the unbelievable uh, privileges that are ours through faith and in Christ. Um, and God, once we are in Christ, we are forever changed. We are a new creation. God, help uh, everyone listening, um, God, to truly embrace and believe the amazing promises that you said in your word about our identity as those who are in Christ. God, help us to believe that we are unbelievably, infinitely significant. Uh, we have an infinite worth and value in you uh, because we are loved by you, because we are adopted as your sons, because we are forgiven. God, our our worth is is truly infinite. Help us to believe that and help us to, because we're so secure in that, to not go seeking to be try to try to be significant in other places. God, um, help us to remember and believe that we are secure. Um, that that identity will not change. Uh, our name in the book of life will not change. Um, our approval from you, God, uh, will not change. Our identity as your son will not change. Thank you for that security. Um, help those struggling with with insecurity in their identity. Uh, to find security in their identity in you, God. Uh, we also ask, God, you would help uh, everyone listening to, to truly believe and, and understand the significance that, that they are accepted. Um, they're not an orphan anymore. They're accepted. They belong in the family of God. And it is, it is truly the greatest family uh, anyone could be a part of. Help us to rejoice and be grateful uh, for being included in your family. God, we also uh, ask those to help help you to to help us all process the fact that we are forgiven uh, of all of our sins god though our sins were scarlet you made them white as snow white as wool god help us to believe that help us to believe our sins are separated from us as far as the east is from the west help us to meditate on those truths uh where guilt and shame kind of rise up um god just just crush crush those two uh with the promises in your word with our faith and what what your word says about our sins. And finally, God, um, just, just fill everyone listening with your spirit. Uh, help them to realize that, uh, living the Christian life apart from the power of the Holy spirit is, is like trying to push a bus, um, instead of using the, the gas can tank in the engine, God, uh, you are our power source and God, if we are filled by you, we can do unbelievable things on this earth for your glory. But, uh, and without that power source, we're just we're going to be constantly struggling in our Christian life. So help people to realize the truth uh, that your Holy Spirit is in them, but that they must uh, regularly be filled by your Spirit uh, to be empowered and to live Christian lives that exhibit the fruits of your Spirit, uh, which of course are love, joy, peace, patience, uh, etc. God, fill everyone with your Spirit and uh, guide our lives. Help us to live out of that identity that you've given us in Christ. We thank you and love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Seven, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Great stuff, Ron. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So I don't know what you have been going through today, but I do know that the believer can always stand firm in his or her identity.
in Christ, we are significant. In Christ, we are secure. In Christ, we're accepted, forgiven, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Circumstances in life are going to change, but Jesus never does. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Journey. <music>